Luka Kranovich is out four to six weeks with a broken hand, eliminating one of the very few options for Gonzaga's starting guards to get any rest. So what are they going to do now? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. We're going to discuss Gonzaga falling to number 15 in the AP poll, what we think about that ranking. We're also going to have an update on 2024 target Zoom Diallo, as well as some other Gonzaga recruiting updates. But first, we only glossed over this on Mailbag Monday after kind of recapping the UConn game, discussing the three-point shooting and and what that loss means for Gonzaga and various other things that that came up on Monday's show. But we didn't really dive into the Luka Krinovich injury. In fact, some of you might have even missed this as it happened on Friday morning. But the report from Mark Few is that there was a collision during shoot-around, not even a practice, just shoot-around before the game on Friday at Climate Pledge Arena against UConn. And it, it turns out that Krinovich has suffered a broken hand. The direct quote from Mark Few after the game, uh, this question was asked by Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review. Few said, it just happened this afternoon, so I've got nothing for you there. It's going to be a while. Broke his hand in a non-contact shoot-around. It's kind of a tough break. Kind of a tough break indeed, Coach Few. This has been a really unlucky season for Gonzaga. And certainly some of it is, is you know, I want to attribute everything that has happened that has been negative to Gonzaga for, for luck, but there has been some bad luck this offseason. There's no debate about that. Uh, Caden Perry's medical retirement, I don't know how much that would impact this current roster because of his position, but, you know, it's rare to see a player have to give up you know, the ability to continue to play basketball because of an injury. That was an unfortunate thing that happened. Gonzaga lost a handful of players who made decisions not to come to campus, like Alex Tui, who decided to stay in Australia, the whole Marcus Adams Jr. saga. Uh, of course, the Steel Venters injury prior to the season, which really hammered their depth in a significant way. And now, Krinovich out until at least mid-January, late January, early February, somewhere in that range. Again, Mark Few is giving an estimated time frame after just finding out about this injury. So I suspect that we will have a clearer time frame, perhaps. Uh, he'll talk about it before or after the Jackson State game. Uh, after that, we may not hear anything until San Diego State or even getting into conference play, kind of some updates on what's going on with Krinovich. But uh, the expectation is he's, he's not going to be around until at least mid-January at the very earliest, probably a little bit later than that. Now, Krinovich has played six games for Gonzaga. He's playing 11.7 minutes per game, averaging 3.3 points, 1.8 rebounds, and one assist. That 12-ish minutes per game is, is pretty misleading, if we're being honest, uh, especially this early in the season. Uh, Krinovich did not play against UCLA. He did not play against Bakersfield. USC, Washington, or UConn, of course, because he injured himself prior to that game. So those are five games he has not played. In the six games that he has played, he played 20 minutes against Eastern Oregon, 21 minutes against Arkansas Pine Bluff, 20 minutes against Mississippi Valley State, and he played five minutes against Syracuse, one minute against Yale, and one minute against Purdue. 
So I think it's safe to say that Krinovich up to this point has not been a rotation player for Gonzaga. He has played in barely over half of their games. Three of the six games he played, he played a large chunk of minutes, but those were against a NAIA school and then two of the worst Division I teams in all of college basketball. Uh, he didn't play in most of Gonzaga's good games. The minute against Purdue was when the game was out of hand. Five minutes against Syracuse is kind of the only real run he's gotten against a, a quality opponent so far this season. So while Kranovich may not have been a rotation player for Gonzaga right now, this is still a significant injury for Gonzaga. And of course, it comes at the one position Gonzaga really cannot afford to have any more depth problems. Kranovich is the backup guard on this team. Gonzaga has four guards who are on scholarship. Three of them start. Nolan Hickman, Ryan Nembhard, Dusty Stromer all start. That's really the entire guard rotation outside of, again, these, these games where, where Krinovich is able to get a, a significant amount of run because Gonzaga has a big lead and they're not really in danger of losing the contest. And those are the opportunities for, for Nembhard and Hickman to get more of a break. And, and also players you know, like Krinovich specifically to get run to get opportunities. You know, he's working hard in practice. He's he's continuing to learn the offense. He didn't get here till September of 2023. It's a fact I mention on here a lot because it's incredibly important to kind of contextualize his journey in terms of learning the offense, learning the defense, learning what is expected of him in in, in his role uh, on both sides of the ball and really just kind of learning how college basketball works, how college works. Like there's just so many things. The learning curve is really steep for international student athletes. And it's incredibly steep for international student athletes who arrive a week before school starts. Like I cannot imagine the amount of information just being thrown at somebody like Krinovich as he's kind of trying to navigate everything that comes with being a student athlete at Gonzaga and a basketball player at Gonzaga. And now that growth, that development slows down. It doesn't completely end. He still learns things. He still gets familiar with the speed, the pace. Like he's still learning and growing and, and learning as a, as a college, as a, again, as a student athlete, as a Gonzaga student, all those things are still happening when he's not able to play on the floor, but he's not able to practice or play. And that is going to slow down that development. I don't want to say stall or stop because I don't think that that's true, but it would be, it's, it's obviously going to take longer for him to be ready to be a rotation player for Gonzaga than it would have had he not gotten hurt. I don't think there's any debate about that conversation. How reliant Gonzaga was on having him be a rotation player this season is unclear. It seems that Gonzaga has been pushing for Yo to be the guy who steps into the rotation this season. And now that needs to happen. It needs to happen. There's no debate. There's no, well, maybe if, if, if Yo isn't there, then. No, there's no then. There's no other option. Jun Sak Yo needs to be a rotation player for Gonzaga from this point forward. And the way that it needs to happen, the only option is that Yo needs to be able to, to play significant minutes at the three, and Dusty needs to be able to play the two. The difference between the two and the three in Gonzaga's offense isn't huge. It's not, you know, they, they run the motion offense. If you're a wing, you're, you're doing the same types of things. You're coming off those ball screens. You're looking to make entry passes down low. Like there's not a, a ton of changes in that dusty would be asked to bring the ball up more. Uh, and, and be, and if the other team was pressing, he'd be asked to, to fill more of a ball handling role in that situation than he would if he was playing the three, but it's not a huge change for dusty necessarily. And I don't think you ask yo to learn a different position. Yo is a three. He's a small forward. That's what you're asking him to do. There's no point in asking him to do more at this point because he's not ready to learn more. 
He is being, again, he's being pushed more aggressively than I think Gonzaga's staff had planned to do because they don't have any other options. As soon as Steel Venters suffered his injury, the clock ticked for Yo to have to be ready sooner. That was just a thing that happened as soon as that injury happened. And now it's ticking even more. It is continuing to happen. He is going to need to be able to play 12 to 15 minutes per night every night, not just against Jackson State, not just against Pacific or Pepperdine. In those games, he might play 18 to 20. He might play 25 in some of those games, depending on if Gonzaga can build a big enough lead to coast in the second half. But even against the San Diego States and the St. Mary's and the Kentuckys, Yo's going to need to play 12 to 15 minutes per night. Joe Few is not an option. Colby Brooks is not an option. I think there's a chance Joe Few maybe comes in in the end of a first half in a game where they can use that to give Ryan Nembhard a longer break. Comes in the final two minutes of the first half. That way Nembhard rests for two minutes, then gets the entire halftime before he comes back in the start of the second half. We've seen Gonzaga do that before. We've seen Gonzaga do that with walk-ons before. Dustin Triano, I remember distinctly six or seven years ago, would come in in the last four minutes of the first half every once in a while to help give Gonzaga's guards a little bit of a break. So I think there's a chance Joe and maybe even Colby fill that role, but they're not going to become rotation players. The only player on this bench who's going to become a rotation player out of this is Yo. And he's already started to do it, but now it's even more imperative. And I wrote in my notes, what, do, what does Yo and Dusty need to do to fill those new roles? And for Yo, I wrote, improve offensive decision-making, knock down more shots. And frankly, that's the same for Dusty. It's pretty much the exact same for both of those guys. I, I think Dusty's offensive decision-making is already pretty solid. Yo's needs more work there, and it's just because he's still learning the offense and learning the system and, and just kind of getting familiar with uh, with Gonzaga basketball and college basketball in general. Dusty's offensive decision-making is pretty good, but the shots need to start falling. And uh, they're, they're far from the only two players on Gonzaga's roster where shot-making is a big priority. Ryan Nempard is an extreme example of that as he's shooting about half his normal three-point percentage so far this season. So knocking down more shots is imperative for him. But for, for Gonzaga to, again, the loss of Kranovich may not seem overly concerning for this year's roster over the next four weeks, but it does put more pressure on Yo to step into that role right away. And I think that's one of the biggest X factors for Gonzaga for not only the next month of the season, but for the rest of the year is how Yo, how quickly Yo is willing or is able to get into a position where he can be a consistent rotation guy for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Well, Gonzaga dropped a 15 in the AP poll after their loss to UConn. Is that where they belong? Can they move back up? All of that and more coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Folks, passion, drive, and patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof rafts, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you are looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All 
All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. Shout out to those of you on our Discord channel. Again, it is free to join. We're getting close to 300 members. We'd love to get there by the time the start, by the time the WCC season starts. So again, click that link in your show notes and hang out with us 24-7 there. I want to talk now about the AP poll of course, came out on Monday. We knew the Zags were going to drop after losing their third game of the season to the Yukon Huskies on Friday evening at Climate Pledge Arena. The Zags take a five-spot tumble from number 10 in the AP poll down to number 15. Uh, not surprised to see them drop. Not really surprised to see them drop five spots. I raised my eyebrow a little bit at Baylor only dropping four spots. Yes, it is Baylor's first loss and it is Gonzaga's third loss. There is a significant difference between those two things. I do not want to imply there is not. But Gonzaga took a five-spot tumble for losing by 13 points to UConn, a team that beats a lot of teams by 13 or more points, whereas Baylor got beat by 30, nearly 30. I think it ended up being a 26-point game because they came back a little bit in the second half. But they were down 45-17 to 17 in the first half against Michigan State, who remains unranked even after that demolition of Baylor. Not a huge deal. I think Gonzaga is probably in the right spot for where they should be. I personally had them ranked 19th at Locked On College Basketball, where I do my week or my weekly top 25 rankings. So I think 15 is almost a little high for where I would probably have Gonzaga. I know many people in the Discord channel were discussing Gonzaga's ranking and thought that they should be in the 20 to 25 range. Uh, teams are not going to drop 15 plus or 10 plus spots for losing to UConn. It's just not going to happen. And it shouldn't have happened realistically. You could recalibrate where Gonzaga is at and try to use some advanced metrics. But again, Ken Palm has Gonzaga 18th. So them being ranked 15th doesn't feel bad. The net has Gonzaga 36th. But if you're using the net rankings in December to determine your AP top 25, get the heck right out of here. That is not a good way to do it. The net will certainly even out by the end of the season, but it's not a good metric right now. Is Gonzaga being 36th in the net uh, concerning? Yeah, we talked about the, the lack of quad one wins for Gonzaga on an episode last week, and I'm sure it'll be a topic that continues to come up throughout the season as it is a concern for Gonzaga, but it shouldn't be used to punish Gonzaga too much in the rankings right now. 15 feels okay. It does feel a little high. Again, like I said, I had them 19th, but I get why they are where they are at right now, and we'll certainly see what happens. They got one game this week against Jackson State. Most teams aren't playing good teams this week, so I think the AP poll probably won't change much between this week and next week, and then Gonzaga gets San Diego State, and that game is certainly going to be a, a nice measuring stick for the Zags. If they win that game at home, especially if they win it handily, that could knock them back up a few spots, of course, depending how the other teams do around the country. If Gonzaga loses that game to San Diego State, boy, we're going to have some conversations on this show. We're going to be talking some people down in a significant way, and certainly Gonzaga, uh, if they were taking their fourth loss there against the Aztecs, a uh, real chance they'd be outside the top 25 for the first time in many, many years years, or at least barely hanging on to a spot heading into conference play. Interestingly, UConn did not move at all in their spot in the top 25. They held steady at five. I ranked them third, and I was real close to ranking them first. I couldn't quite pull the trigger on that. Purdue beating Arizona, it was really hard to not put Purdue first. Uh, I ended up having, uh, I think I ended up having Arizona third, um, and I had you or I had UConn third, and I had Arizona second, I believe, in my top 25. And I, and I think that UConn is right in that conversation. They're a really, really good team. 
And I think fifth is a little low for them. I'm surprised they're so they're fifth and Kansas is second. I understand that UConn lost to Kansas when they played head to head, but they lost a one possession game at Fog Allen Fieldhouse and Kansas had to shoot like 60% from three to even beat them. I'm not saying Kansas didn't earn it. They did. They absolutely did. Uh, but I, I don't see that big of a spread between those two teams. And I certainly think UConn is one of the three, uh, if not two, if not very best team in the entire country at this point. Uh, Kentucky moves up to number nine after their big win over North Carolina. The the Wildcats are really good. They're really, really good. They're a little inconsistent. They lost to UNC Wilmington at home. They had to go to overtime against St. Joe's. Like they've struggled against some not very good teams. They struggled against Penn in the Ivy League. But they're when they're on, they're on. They blasted Miami. They beat North Carolina. They barely lost to Kansas. This is a really good quality Kansas team, or excuse me, Kentucky team that John Calipari has gotten. They're probably going to be really good. In February, I have very little doubt that Gonzaga won't be better on February 10th than they are now. They will be more cohesive. I think that some of the sh- the shooting woes will have kind of corrected themselves. And I think Gonzaga is going to be in a better spot. But this Kentucky team is dangerous and good. And Gonzaga's got to go all the way out to Lexington to play them at Rupp. It's going to be a great test for the Zags, even if they don't win that one. It's going to make them better and make them more prepared for March. And I'm really happy that game is happening. And I'm really happy that game is happening in February, even if we're all watching Kentucky get better and better and better every single day between now and then. San Diego State did pick up eight votes for the top 25, but they are not in the top 25. They actually came in 35th, technically, if you count all of the votes outside of the top 25. Uh, The Zags, of course, host them on the 29th of December. That's a must-win game. It's a must-win game. Kentucky's not necessarily a must-win game. San Diego State absolutely is. They need this one. They got it at home. Gonzaga does not lose at the McCarthy Athletic Center very often. San Diego State has looked good at times, but they've also looked quite bad at times. They went to overtime against Cal. They they barely beat UC Irvine. They barely beat UC San Diego, which is perhaps a better example since Irvine is pretty good. Either way, the San Diego State team is absolutely a must-win game for the Zags. Ideally, It is one of the only losses San Diego State takes for a long time as they can maybe then get themselves back in the top 25 and certainly help Gonzaga's resume because that is something they are sorely needing right now because teams like USC and UCLA not doing what they need to do. It's just not happening for them. UCLA lost again, this time to Ohio State, an ugly, ugly basketball game, not a single. Neither team made a three-pointer until the 12-minute mark in the second half, combined 0 of 14 from three uh, in the first half for those two teams. Uh, UCLA loses to, again, Ohio State's a good team. It's not a horrible loss in a vacuum for UCLA, but the resume is just not where it needs to be right now, and time is running out for them to put the pieces together and make a run at the top 25 and really do anything to help Gonzaga's resume. USC they're just not it, man. They're just they're just not it. They got absolutely boat raced by Auburn. I think Auburn is really good. I've had Auburn ranked every week consistently on my top 25 for college basketball. We finally got them in as a collective group this week. I was shocked the AP voters did not have them in. They do have a loss to Appalachian State. It was a true road game. It's not a great opponent, but it was a true road game. Uh, their only other losses to Baylor in the first game of the season. Otherwise, Auburn is, is really good. Uh, but again, USC goes out to, to play Auburn and loses by 16. It just can't happen. USC is bad. UCLA has not looked good yet. I, I have a little bit of hope that they might turn it around, but it's dwindling by the day. And, and it's just not helping Gonzaga. Washington, 
barely, barely helped Gonzaga. They had to go to double overtime against Seattle U, my other alma mater, crushed for Seattle U for not picking up the win, although a tiny bit relieved because it would have hurt Gonzaga if Washington lost to Seattle U in that one. Seattle U also blew a 15-point lead against San Francisco, had the chance to pick up two really big wins for the Red Hawks, blew both of them, unfortunately. But for Gonzaga, at least Washington gets that win. They still picked up two votes in the AP Top 25, but not sure they're going to get any more than that unless they pick up some serious wins coming into conference play. We're going to close out today's show discussing Zoom Diallo's upcoming college announcement and where Gonzaga is at with a handful of other recruits coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here, still locked on Zach, still Andy Patton, and we're talking recruiting here to close out the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Zags podcast, Zoom Diallo, Tacoma, Washington native, top prospect in the 2024 recruiting class, a Zags target for many, many years. He has set a date to announce his college commitment that will be on Saturday, December 23rd. He chose that day because he wanted to be home with his family when he made the announcement. He's playing high school basketball right now at Prolific Prep in Napa, California. Again, he's from Tacoma, though, so he'll get to go home, be with his family, make his college announcement. He is choosing between four schools right now, Gonzaga, Arizona, USC, and Washington. So I was, I'd was i love to call it a battle of the Zags in three Pac-12 schools, but in theory, it's actually a battle between the Zags, a Big 12 school, and two Big 10 schools, because that is the reality of the future of college athletics these days. Uh, Zoom is the 19th ranked prospect in the class of 2024. That is at 24-7 Sports. Uh, he's a six foot four lead guard. He's a score first point guard. We've been talking about him a lot on this podcast. His, his combination of size and speed, he's a great finisher at the rim. The jump shot is still developing, but the expectation is that it's going to be there. Uh, he's a, he is a good passer. He's a good facilitator, but he is, has been labeled as a score first guard because that's just kind of the mentality that he has adopted uh, throughout his career. Obviously, he's been the best player on his team for, for most of that time, so it'll be interesting to see if that mentality changes when he gets into the 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 ranks of college athletics. He's going to thrive in a high-paced, high-tempo offense, which favors Gonzaga, but it also favors Arizona as they run a very similar style uh, under coach Tommy Lloyd. Uh, the expectation right now is kind of up in the air. Zoom has been, he's played this really close to the vest. Uh, there has not been a lot of, of information or leaks or expectations. Uh, the general guess by the majority of recruiting insiders, people in this industry is Arizona, but it's really a guess. There's not, there, there isn't any significant kind of sway one way or the other. This one could go four different ways. On three, the another premier recruiting service, they do their percentage rankings or percentage guesses. I try not to take these too seriously where I'm going to use them for a few other 2025 targets for Gonzaga, which where, where they are favored. Uh, they are not favored in this one. On three gives Arizona a 34.8% chance, followed by Washington at 20.5, followed by Gonzaga at 17.6, followed by USC at 11.1. Again, I try to take these too seriously. I do think the general again, feeling from the industry is that Zoom is going to go to Arizona. It certainly is a good fit for him. Uh, he spoke about all four schools and, and gave some final quotes about each of them. 
uh, and a recent article written at 24-7 Sports. Highly recommend checking it out. It's got great quotes. Uh, I'll read what he said about Gonzaga in particular. He said, quote, the whole coaching staff reaches out to me and with Coach Barsh being a Tacoma guy, he's been good. Coach Few, everybody knows what they've got going on. They are a national powerhouse close to home, and they've been just trying to tell me that they want me to be the next Gonzaga great. You love to hear that. Certainly his quotes for the other programs are all somewhat similar. He said great things about Tommy Lloyd. He said great things about, you know, getting the opportunity to potentially replace Isaiah Collier at USC. He talked about how close to home it would be to play at Washington. And, you know, a lot of the kind of speak that these players say when they're, you know, not trying to give away their hands too much. So I don't know that you want to read too much into those quotes or anything like that, but uh, it's it's going to be a compelling one. This has been a player Gonzaga has been interested in for a long time, and and there's a chance he goes somewhere else. Uh, I, I think Arizona is the favorite here, and if he lands at Arizona, I know that there's going to be some some hurt feelings, some some feelings of doom, some fear there uh, about Gonzaga's recruiting and and things like that. And and heck, when Gonzaga when when Gonzaga took Ryan Nemhard from Arizona, the Arizona fans freaked out and said Tommy can't recruit, he can't add players, like they're going to lose guys to Gonzaga. And then when Tommy gets guys, people do the same thing at Gonzaga, and it's just that's just how it goes. Sometimes Arizona wins, sometimes Gonzaga wins. Every player that chooses one or the other is not some sign of some huge decline or some huge problem or some huge, you know, over overwhelming issue. I mean, remember how many years people said that uh, Gonzaga is going to not be able to recruit internationally because Tommy Lloyd left? And now we have multiple international players on our roster. Like it's just the overreactions to things like that. Uh, they're going to continue to happen. And I get it. And they're probably going to happen after the Zoom situation if he does go to Arizona. Obviously, he may not. He may come to Gonzaga, which would be incredible. And we would have a very fun Christmas episode talking about Zoom if he makes that decision. But if he doesn't, it's not the end of the world in particular because Gonzaga has their eyes on some really uh, some really good other recruits, uh, mostly in the class of 2025, starting with Isaiah Harwell. Isaiah Harwell is higher ranked in his class than Zoom in his. Isaiah Harwell is, is arguably a better potential fit for Gonzaga than Zoom Diallo. Harwell is a year behind. He could reclassify to 2024. That is certainly an option for him, and he has discussed it. He is currently visiting, or he's currently set to visit Gonzaga on February 3rd for their game against St. Mary's. On three right now is giving Gonzaga 46.3% odds to land Harwell. So we try not to take him too seriously, whether it's in favor of us or not, uh, but it's certainly good to see Gonzaga, the heavy favorites right now for Harwell, who is a six foot five combo guard from Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, he's a fantastic player. Again, he's 6'5". He can play the point guard position, can play off the ball, uh, has said a lot of really good things about Gonzaga in the past. He would be a monumental addition to this program, one of the highest ranked players they would, they've ever added. I think he'd be third, if I'm not mistaken, behind uh, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, and him. Hunter Salas is right. I'm not sure the comparison between him and Salas, so he's right in that conversation. Uh, but he'd be one of the best, highest-ranked recruits in Gonzaga basketball history if they were able to land him. The Zags are also in on Nick Kamenia in the class of 2025. He has taken an official visit to Gonzaga for craziness this year, and then he took an unofficial visit to craziness last year. Uh, he is pretty much not being recruited by – he is being recruited by other people. I should say UCLA has made him an offer. There's, there's a handful of other very good schools that have made him offers. I don't want to imply that Gonzaga is the only school interested in him, but it appears that this is kind of Gonzaga or bust at this point. On three gives Gonzaga 78% odds. No other school is particularly close to landing Kamenia at this point. 
he's he looks like he's going to be a zag six foot seven forward from Harvard Westlake uh, in California. Uh, really talented player ha- has really kind of blossomed into his own. He's a four star right now, high four star, forty eighth ranked player in the twenty twenty five class. Uh, so potentially two really really good players joining the program in twenty twenty five. And this is worth pointing out regarding the twenty twenty four recruiting class. And I know I've said this on the podcast before, and those of you who are everyday listeners have heard it, but I think it bears repeating whenever people look at the fact that if we don't land Zoom, there's a real chance we don't have a freshman joining the program in 2024. Gonzaga doesn't have roster spots. They just they, You can't be offering a bunch of scholarships to players if you don't have room for them. There is one player guaranteed to leave this team next year, and that is Anton Watson. I say guaranteed to leave because he has to. He can't come back. Every other player could come back. That does not mean they all will. It would be somewhat surprising if everybody came back. I'm not going to project who's not coming back. I don't know whether players transfer, whether they decide to go play professionally. Who knows what could or should or would or whatever will happen. But right now, Gonzaga is looking at the current roster and has to project that everybody outside of Anton Watson could come back. So you don't make offers to players who, who unless you really need to, unless you can really fit them in. Zoom, obviously, you make that's an exception. You make an offer for him 10 times out of 10 because he's fantastic and you need him and you want him. But I don't think that the lack of, of interest in a bunch of other 2024 players really means all that much. Gonzaga was in on some guys in 2024. They lost out on them. Oh, well, they move on. I think people look at at recruiting, especially now as like this big sign for where Gonzaga is at or are more concerned about it. And I'm just not because Gonzaga is building their roster via the transfer portal. And they're just not concerned with high school recruiting that these COVID years for high schoolers are, are these are weak classes. 2023 was considered an all-time weak class. 2024 is not considered a particularly strong class from a depth perceptive. You interview coaches, you, you read some of the interviews that they've given anonymously. And, and people are basically saying, the consensus around the industry is if you can't land a top 20 kid in your recruiting class, you're better off just building through the transfer portal. I mean, this is, I mean, this is being directly said by coaches. Like this is not some industry secret. That's what they're doing. And why wouldn't you? I would much rather add a player who averaged 20, 10, 12, 15 points per game at a division one program, even if it is a mid-major, even if it is a smaller school, than take a chance on a high schooler unless they're a generational talent. That just makes sense. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to coaches. That's the decision that they're making. For Gonzaga, not knowing how many spots you're going to have, I would, if Anton Watson leaves, fill that spot in the transfer portal. If anybody else leaves, fill that spot in the transfer portal and run it back. Go from there. And yes, Gonzaga last year did, wasn't able to do some of the things they wanted to do in the offseason. And that led to them going to a third alternative, which is overseas. They grabbed Krinovich at the very end of the offseason. They grabbed Pavle Stoshitz even after that, very, very late in the offseason. And it wasn't even the offseason. The school year had already started when Stoshitz committed. But part of that was, you know, they didn't expect Caden Perry's injury to be career ending. They didn't expect Marcus Adams Jr. to show up and then leave. They didn't expect Alex Tui to not come to campus. Like a lot of things happened late in the offseason last year that kind of just scrambled Gonzaga's plans a little bit. But I don't think that them not being aggressive in pursuing non-Zoom players in the 2024 class really means anything. And I think if they have a zero-person 2024 recruiting class, I don't think that that's problematic. If they also don't add anybody in the transfer portal or things you know go haywire after that, sure, we can have some, some freak-out panic moments later on. But right now, that is not something that is concerning me, especially when they have really good odds at landing two top 50 prospects in the class of 2025. 
That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Don't forget to hit that like button on YouTube. Leave a comment. Let me know you are here. Join the Discord channel if you have not done so yet. It is very much appreciated to have you all there chatting hoops with us 24-7. We'll be back on Wednesday with a preview of Gonzaga's game against Jackson State. A look around the WCC as well. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.